Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Samin Ananu, who is Vice President of Information Technology and CIO at Stony Brook University. Samin and podcast host Amr Alawalia discuss diversity in DEI in the IT space of higher ed and the role CIOs can play within the strategic conversations of their institutions. Simeon, welcome to the Illumination podcast. It's great to be chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me uh, join you today to uh, talk about some important topics. Well, and that's just it. I mean, you you brought this topic to the Educause conference last year. It's a topic that, you know, the, the concept of, of diversity and, and finding pathways for, for DEI in, in the IT space in the post-secondary industry has been a, a top of mind discussion for a, f- a few years. And we're starting to really see it emerge why is it so important for IT leaders to be more engaged in campus conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well, first of all, uh, uh, the notion that uh, somebody is viewed as an IT leader, I think, is somewhat skewed. Uh, IT leaders are also organizational leaders. Uh, And I will speak uh, precisely about uh, the higher education sector. Uh, For me, an IT leader uh, is one that uh, should also view themselves as part of the institutional leadership and therefore must take steps to create an inclusive environment. And when you ask the question, why is this so important? uh, It is clear that uh, we are now in this uh, knowledge economy where organizations and higher education, for that matter, depends heavily on IT to operate. Uh, Therefore, uh, the the leader must foster an inclusive uh, environment. Uh, And in that process, what the person should be doing is to invite many voices uh, into the conversation so that in the end, many perspectives are infused in uh, in the decision making. Uh, When we think about technology, there is a conceptualization uh, element, there is a design element, there is a test element, there is a a deployment element, and then maintenance element. Uh, When we invite multiple individuals into those conversations, what we see is that the the design of most technological solutions uh, meet the needs of a broad perspective, a broad audience, as opposed to a fairly narrowly defined audience. So for me, uh, for a leader to, for an IT leader to be uh, uh, a champion of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is the right thing to do. Uh, one, to be able to serve the right populations, to serve the broadest populations possible, to make sure that uh, our work is one that depends on a consultative process, but also being decisive, being able to invite multiple people to participate in the design of the technology, in the consumption of the technology, and ultimately in the work that the, the usefulness of the technology. Uh, when we don't take those steps, though, what we end up doing is uh, we design technologies that may not be useful for the broadest communities, and that is unfortunate. Technology is fairly expensive, and to me, there uh, the, the expense that... Uh, the technology brings to the institution must also uh, produce some uh, very important fruit, and that fruit can only be uh, delivered through the inclusive process that uh, we have in place. Absolutely. You know what? Before we move on, I, I want to touch on on a topic that you you highlighted there that I think is incredibly important and really central to the discussion we're having today, which is the conception of of IT leaders being institutional leaders. 
Um, you know, this is a topic that comes up in, in almost every year in Educause's top 10 uh, IT issues is the question of, you know, are we seeing CIOs in the strategic role that they truly play or do we still see them as operational leaders? And I, I kind of I'm hoping you can expand a little bit on this idea of why it's so important for the CIO of any college or university to be playing a more central role in establishing and pursuing the strategy of that institution. Because um, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts here as well. You've, you've been as, as a CIO and a senior IT leader for many years. Why are IT leaders so often considered more operational than they are strategic in, in the operations of the institution? Um, you know, it's, I think it, it is a match. Institutions first have to have their own strategic priorities fairly defined and then decide on the type of IT leader that they're looking for. Uh, having been in this field for uh, about 30 years now and having spent uh, about 23 years in the C-suite, what I've seen is that, uh, and we all progress through those years, um, I've seen three types of uh, CIOs. Uh, you have your very operational CIOs. Again, nothing wrong with that uh, category of CIOs. It depends on where your institution is at a particular moment and where the institution wants to go. Then you have the very strategic CIOs. And in fact, one will argue that uh, occasionally after you, you hire a, a strategic CIO to accomplish certain things. And when that person's tenure uh, is over, you're most likely to hire an operational CIO to come and just keep the lights on for a few years. And then you go through that cycle of hiring um, a, a strategic CIO again. And sometimes you may end up with tactical CIO somewhere in between. Uh, but it's important though, that uh, when we think about uh, the, the, the transformational aspect of IT and the impact that IT can make at an institution and the competitive, ad competitive advantage that IT can bring to an institution, to me, it is essential for uh, the IT leader, for the CIO, for the vice president, to see themselves not as the one leading IT, but to see themselves as the convener of very important institutional conversations that will lead to change and that will lead to transformation. It is, so we have to be thinking about the ideas, the solutions, the impact. We have to get to understand, as an IT leader, we must understand um, our communities. Uh, who are we serving? And what is the purpose of our work? So here at Stony Brook University, I am very, very aware of the fact that uh, we are a research university. We are a flagship university. We are an R1, Research One University. We are an AAU university. But we are also, uh, even with those accolades, we also have a fairly large population of Pale eligible students, almost 40% of our students are pale eligible. Mm. So those are specific nuances that I have to be aware of and therefore be able to craft solutions that uh, speak to the communities that I'm serving. If I fail to be cognizant of those nuances, then I'll be implementing technologies that uh, may be useful somewhere, but not necessarily responding to the needs of my institution. So we are in the process of uh, developing an IT strategic plan uh, right now as we speak. And in fact, we hope to uh, roll that out in the next uh, month or so. And it, the, the strategic plan speaks directly to 
the community and the aspirations of the university. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about the concept of, of equity and creating equity. I'm curious from, uh, from your vantage point, just to ground the conversation a little bit, how would you define digital equity? What is digital equity? Uh, from a theoretical standpoint, I will define digital, equi digital equity as um, the creation of, a, of an environment where uh, all members of uh, that community have equitable access to uh, digital resources, uh, regardless of their affiliation, whether you're a faculty member, staff member, student, uh, or uh, adjunct, uh, whatever your affiliation might be should not define. Uh, the level or the the uh, the, the type of uh, technological resources you have access to. So to me, it has to be an equitable access. Now, that's a very theoretical definition. If I was to bring it into something very concrete, okay, um, I will say that um, we need to think about the technologies in the hands of the members of our community. So as a quick example, I spoke about the 40% Pell eligible students that uh, we serve here at the Stony Brook University. Uh, knowing that uh, many of our students may not have a computer of their own, just as a beginning, as access to resources, we have established a very robust uh, laptop loaner program, which allows our students to be able to have access to those devices to be able to get their work done. We have virtual, another example is that uh, we have virtualized a number of our software applications to be able to allow many of our students uh, access to those precious and expensive software applications that uh, they need to be successful in their uh, academic endeavors. We also have a digital uh, accessibility program in place to allow us, to force us, to require us, and to remind us of the need to make our technological solutions accessible to all, especially some of uh, some members of our communities who may have certain impairments uh, and uh, making sure that they too have equ uh, equitable access to, uh, to many of our technologies. Those are some concrete examples that I will share. Um, and those are very, very important because when we miss those boats, then uh, we, um, we, we make the wrong decisions. But I'll also share that the professional development is very important. Uh, we are now in this era where many of our technologies are, are shifting from on-prem to the cloud. Mm -hmm. That transition itself, and then we are also moving uh, into the SaaS, software as a solution environment. Being able to deliver services in those in that in that environment, whether it's hybrid, whether it's a complete. Uh, SaaS environment, those require different skills. And when we go to professional development, to me, what, we, and what we're doing by uh, uh, upscaling our IT professionals now is to make them included in the process as opposed to deploying technologies that can displace those individuals. So professional development is also very important to uh, foster this inclusive environment that uh, we're talking about. It's interesting to think about that because you're right, like inclusivity lives on multiple frames. Um, and what I like is as you start to transition the the vision of software and applications on campus from being largely in-house built and on-premise hosted to being, you know, vendor partnerships and cloud hosted, 
there really is a question of having a greater set of skill sets so that you can leverage that human time and energy to where it's best needed as opposed to, you know, in manual and repeatable processes that the software can take. I'm curious, you know, as you guys started to build a framework for digital equity and digital inclusion at, at Stony Brook, what are some of the steps that you took to really create that environment? What are some of the first things that, that you did to get the, the ball rolling? Uh, the first thing is um, making those who are here, retention. Yeah, retention is very important. Making those who are already part of the organization feel heard, feel appreciated, and feel valued. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And one who asks, how do you do that? And to me, you have to create an affirming culture, uh, an environment within which people feel comfortable uh, expressing their opinions. People feel comfortable making suggestions for the betterment of the organization, an environment where we can make ourselves and we should feel comfortable making, making ourselves vulnerable in the eyes of others so that we are able to see each other as human beings. Okay, mm -hmm. So that human-centric element is very, very important. We are in the IT business uh, as an IT organization. However, to me, to be successful, we have to uh, shift the focus from the technology to the human being. So that is the first thing. And then that also trickles into our recruitment process, um, going from retention to recruitment, uh, the types of people that uh, we're looking for, and even where we advertise our positions and vacancies is very important. Making sure that uh, we advertise in those uh, areas where uh, whether we have a large population of underrepresented minorities or uh, areas where we have not traditionally advertised uh, so that uh, we are also able to attract uh, mm -hmm. candidates from those, those populations. Also thinking about uh, another large population of uh, potential candidates here, which is our students themselves. Our students also bring a fairly large uh, amount of diversity that uh, we have to celebrate. So those are the first things. Then um, beyond that, um, also put an emphasis on uh, the, the consumption of the technologies. As I, as I said earlier, the design of the technologies uh, so that having cross-sectional groups design something as opposed to just one unit working on, uh, on a specific solution, that has also helped us a lot. And we report out on our progress as a group, as opposed to specific disciplines, just working on one solution. A quick example that I will share is uh, um, how I constantly uh, engage uh, our digital accessibility group. Uh, that's one example. But beyond that, when uh, we think about uh, uh, our student information system, for instance, we have a fairly large collaboration between IT and non-technical groups, the registrar's office uh, being one example, student affairs, uh, student services, all those non-technical groups that uh, take advantage of the system. We also invite their input and their feedback equally into the conversations that lead to uh, the designs and upgrades of the system. So interesting, because it is there's so much. It's, there's a policy question, and then there's a people question. Um, and you seem to have really worked to build build policy that lasts and then create a culture around it to really ensure it, it it's successful. Yes, it's it's a, it's a concerted effort that uh, we have to have in place. Um, 
the the people aspect is one that um, I have found to be essential um, because the the technology. I often joke that the, the the technology depends on the people network. So we have to have that coalition of the willing and for the CIO also to believe in inclusivity, mm -hmm. to believe in the positive uh, impact of IT throughout the organization, and then making sure that we have policies in place, but not try to codify everything either. I often hear that, uh, um, how do we, which policies can we have so that we can engage each other? And my reaction is, we don't need permission to engage each other. That is something that we have to do as human beings. Uh, but I'll also add one more thing. Uh, I've only been at uh, Stony Brook for um, five, almost six months now, mm -hmm. and uh, an environment that I'm really, really uh, enjoying. And when we think about inclusivity, a few other things that we're doing that I will share here, in fact, uh, for those listening to the, this podcast, uh, they can also borrow some ideas from, uh, from it. Um, we have a town hall meeting. Uh, again, we are fairly large as an organization. We have about... Uh, 200 IT professionals in central IT, about 200 students. So you add those two groups together, that's about 400 people. We also have IT partners throughout the university and uh, in other parts of the campus. So on a given day, you have several hundred IT professionals at, uh, at this institution. So we try to have um, IT town hall meetings uh, periodically. Mm -hmm. That is one way to bring us all together to celebrate our accomplishments, um, talk about some of the things on the horizon for all of us so that there is, again, a sense of inclusivity in the knowledge sharing and the conversations and the communications. Um, that is uh, something that I've uh, I've really, really enjoyed. Uh, so I will encourage uh, many other CIOs or IT leaders to think about an IT uh, town hall periodically, uh, quarterly or something like that. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, I mean, as you think back on some of the lessons learned as you've implemented policies of digital equity in, in various roles throughout your career. Uh, what are some of the lessons learned that you would share with other IT leaders who are trying to get similar initiatives off the ground at their own institutions? Um, as a, you have to first expose your own humility as a leader. Uh, don't pretend that uh, you have all the answers. Um, so that sense of humility allows others to want to help you accomplish this work of DEI. So that's the first one. The second thing, though, is um, to rely on your team members okay, to, to get you there. Uh, and the third one is making it clear. As a leader, uh, you have to have this sense of clarity in the communication that you have, that, digital, that uh, uh, DEI is part of the mission. As a leader, that sense of clarity is one that it, that must come from you and almost, not almost, making it uh, a requirement uh, so that everyone can also participate. Because if you make DEI optional, then people see it as such. But when it becomes a requirement and becomes part of the culture, people also see it as such. So words are powerful. Uh, words mean a lot. Words matter. And the way the leader communicates that is exactly how people will follow uh, and will follow through. So that is the number one message that I will share as a leader. Make it very clear that uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is indeed part of the IT operation and your culture. Absolutely. Well, Simeon, I mean, that pretty much does it on my end, which marks 
the transition of this podcast from being a higher ed podcast to a food podcast. So I, I am curious if someone's uh, out to dinner on Long Island, where do they need to go? Well, good question. Uh, you know, I call myself uh, uh, a food curious. Uh, I uh, I will try just about anything. Um, I love ethnic food, uh, something that, uh, again, I've come to uh, enjoy around here. Um, I've been to uh, a French restaurant. I've been to an Italian restaurant, an Indian restaurant, a uh, Chinese restaurant, a uh, Japanese restaurant. Uh, all those uh, being... Being in an area where within 15 to 20 minutes, I can get to uh, uh, a fairly decent uh, ethnic restaurant is something that I'm also getting to enjoy. So the, the question that you asked is, uh, is an intriguing one. Uh, instead of just uh, telling someone to go to one place, I will actually encourage the person, if the person, if you were to have the time uh, to explore Long Island, we have a diverse uh diversity so we're talking about diversity in it but yeah you know, that also takes me into diversity of uh, enjoying foods and cultures so that's uh, that's the way i live i mean i can absolutely i'll, I'll vouch for that the, the diversity i mean this is one thing is we uh my wife and i used to live in toronto and the the sheer you could walk down one street and there'd be an ethiopian restaurant a jamaican restaurant an indian restaurant uh you know a mongolian restaurant the the, the diversity is unbelievable I will, a word of caution for anyone who's trying to do multiple restaurants in one night, though, because I've made this mistake. Don't get too excited at your first restaurant. So if you order too many things, you'll never make it to the next spot. Well, I, I have never tried multiple restaurants in one night, in part because I don't know if my taste buds will actually <laughs> yeah. act well to allow me to appreciate everything <laughs> I'm consuming. Oh, man. Well, Simeon, hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Thank you so much. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus engagement platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.